going to ask you to turn this morning to 1 Peter chapter 5. I know um, many of you, of course, who've been here each Sunday, you know that we're going through the book of John. And uh, I try not to veer from our study in John as much as possible, but there are times when God um, uh, either just doesn't allow the, the message to flow or to come together as it should, and, uh, and every once in a while He changes things on me. So this morning we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7. These are verses that many of us probably already know, and I want us to go ahead and uh, we're going to read those, and we're going to put our, our focus and our mind on what these verses have to say to us this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, that's right before 2 Peter if you're trying to find it. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And then look at verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Let's go ahead and bow to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for these verses that we have. We're thankful for the time that we have to spend studying them and thinking upon uh, the things that, the truths that are found here. Lord, we ask for your direction throughout the message. Lord, I have no power to speak these on my own. I have no power to convict hearts or change lives and, or to uh, draw people to you. But God, I know that all that power uh, is with you. So Lord, if anything's going to happen as a result of this message today, I know that it has to be from your power and your spirit. God, I pray that you would just move in every heart today. Uh, Lord, draw our minds towards you and help us. Father, if there are any cares that we're allowing to burden down our lives, that will cast those things upon you today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is a growing epidemic that's spreading quickly across our nation. It's not any new thing. It's something that's been happening for, uh, for years now, of course. But as of now, I want to say that we still live in, even with everything that's going on, even with all the, the trouble that we've seen in our nation lately, uh, we still live in the most privileged nation in the world. Many of you do not feel as though you're rich or privileged, and uh, some of you would say, if you could see my bank account, you would know that I'm not rich or privileged, but uh, it doesn't take much research to find out that if you live in a house with electricity, air conditioning, and carpet, and no water leaking through the roof, then you are among the wealthiest people in the world. may not be among the wealthiest in America, but if you have any of the things I've just mentioned, and there are many more I'm sure we can count out, then you are among the wealthiest people in the world. Some of us complain about making less than $15 an hour. Try surviving often less than $15 a day. Yet even with all our security and luxury, many of us uh, are upset because we only have one car, not two. I'm constantly complaining. We need another car. We've got to have another car. And I, and I sometimes just sit around and I think, man, what am I saying? You know, we have a car. We, at least we don't have to walk or take the bus. There are many who don't even have that. You know, and so sometimes we complain because we don't have what the guy down the street does. But we need to thank God for what we do have. And even with all the, the things that God has blessed our nation with, the things that we have and uh, things in our possession, there is almost not a life or home that is not touched with some form of anxiety or depression. The ADAA, I didn't know what that was until so I looked it up, uh, but the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, uh, the, even the fact that we have to have one of those should say something, states that anxiety disorder is the most common mental dis health disorder in the U.S. 
affecting 40 million adults in the United States ages 18 and older. It goes on to say that anxiety orders cost the U.S. more than $42 billion a year, almost one-third of the, the country's uh, $148 billion total mental health bill. In, in other words, um, or medical health bill, excuse me. So, in other words, mental health or anxiety disorder takes up one-third of our total health, health uh, expenditure throughout the year. That, that says quite a bit if one-third uh, you know, of, of what's going on is, is related to anxiety or depression. That is massive, and I would dare say that if we were to be honest, a number of our own medicine cabinets contain some kind of antidepressant or anxiety medicine. And so there are people with actual chemical imbalances. I understand that. Uh, some of you say, well, mine's not just worry. I, you know, there's actually something wrong with me. I've got uh, a chemical imbalance or whatever it may be. Our diet, our lifestyles, our rest patterns uh, definitely don't help with these matters. There can be vitamin deficiencies. All kinds of things can contribute uh, to anxiety and depression. And let me say, as I stand here today, this is not me pointing fingers at anybody with anxiety or depression because I have suffered from those very things my own self. And I, I know when you talk about anxiety, I know what you mean about anxiety. And I'll tell you there, that it will kill you eventually if you allow it to rule and run your life. Depression, all those things I, I am familiar with. And so I'm not pointing a finger at those who claim to have them. I'm saying it is a problem that many of us are already dealing with today. Amen. But the point is, is that we are a nation in which many of our people are living in unwarranted fear and sadness. When people are looking for a way out, there's no shortage of supplies in the self-help section of the bookstore or on the medicine shelves of the pharmacy waiting to provide relief of the symptoms. I, I'm feeling sad, and so I need a pill that will make me feel happy. I'm feeling in a panic, so I need, a, I need medicine that will calm me down. I'm feeling like my life is out of control, and so let me go find a book that will give me ten easy steps to having a stress-free life. Anybody been there? Anything that will help us to relieve the symptoms we're willing to do if it will get us uh, away from the problem that we're facing. But what if I told you that much of the help that we really need with anxiety and depression can't be found in a store or in a doctor's office? Because the problem with anxiety and depression is not only mental and physical. And yes, there are some health issues that will lead to that. And so please understand where I'm going at this morning. But I'm talking about in general, having a problem with worry and anxiety and depression. It's not just a mental or physical issue. It is a spiritual problem as well. Amen. If you're on medication for anxiety or depression, understand that I'm not telling you to throw out your medicine or give up uh, whatever you're already doing. But what I'm telling you is that if you're only maintaining the symptoms, then the problem's never really going to be resolved. It's like taking cough medicine when you have the flu. You slow your cough down, but there's still an underlying problem that's going on. Still something that isn't being addressed. Listen, I obviously don't have all the answers today, and I wouldn't have time to share them with you if I did, but I can show you where to start this morning. And maybe that's where you are. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to confront this, but you want to at least know where a good starting place is. That's what I want to give you today. And if you will allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to speak to you, 
And I believe you can begin making your journey towards a stress and and worry-free life. The verses that we read today really say all that, uh, there's so many other verses that deal with this issue and deal with this subject. I've actually spoken on the issue of anxiety and depression from some other verses before. Uh, But these verses say so much right here. It says in verse 6, Humble yourself, yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We're going to talk about where humility comes into all of this a little bit later. You might say, well, I don't think I'm getting any lower than what I already am. But I want to show you where, uh, where this really is talking about. He says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I want us to look at this. We're just going to go down through. We're going to focus mostly on verse 7. We'll come back up and deal with verse 6 a little bit later. Uh, But I want us to look at at some of the things it talks about here. We must keep in mind that the people to whom Peter was writing were enduring circumstances that were beyond their control. I think I've thrown this out before. It's something I've said several times, but it's not original with me. uh, That 95% of the stuff that we worry about is never going to happen. And the other 5%, we couldn't change even if it did happen. So 100% of the things that we worry about, we can't do anything about those things, can we? We have no power over those issues whatsoever. And, uh, and so, you know, as we think about the, the fact that the things that we're worried about, the things that are weighing us down so much, that are controlling and ruling our lives, we have no control over those things whatsoever. Listen, worry and anxiety are natural responses to the problems that we face on a daily basis. We all have things that are going on in our lives. There are, there are worries. Um, you know, you may have some health problems, and that causes worry. Uh, you may, you know, something may happen. And, and I've noticed this, uh, and I won't call any names out, but it's funny because it's just a response that so many people have. Um, but, you know, somebody, I, I'm not going to name any names, somebody has some swelling in their leg not too long ago, and they're like, I think I might have a fractured uh, leg. I need to go to the hospital. And I think it's a knot on your leg, you know. There's no need to go to the hospital. Don't worry about it. It's just, you know, it's just, and, and I, listen, I do things like that. Nikki, if she were to stand up here, she could tell you that, um, you know, there are things like that. If I get a bump or I get an ache, you know, suddenly I'm dying and, you know, things like that are going on. If you've been around me very much, you know that's probably true as well. Uh, I can be uh, kind of a, uh, a diva, I guess, when it comes to, uh, to feeling bad. I don't like to be sick, and I don't like to hurt, I don't like to feel bad, and things like that. But the first thing we want to do is run to the hospital or, or find it, because there's an imminent you know, situation that's coming that uh, you know, we're not really going to be able to get out of. Uh, worry and anxiety, they are natural responses to the problem we face on a daily basis, but if we're allowing worry to rule our lives, that's a different issue. It's okay to be concerned. Listen, I think it's Perfectly fine. We've got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, you know, there's this little thing called ISIS going on right now in the world. And I think we need to be concerned about ISIS, don't you? But being concerned with the fact that ISIS exists and that there is a danger that is possible and maybe even probable, that is one thing. But allowing that worry... To, to rule my life or allowing fear to rule my life, being afraid to go out and, and to live or go here or there, if I'm allowing that fear and that worry to rule me or to, uh, or to have power over my life, then that becomes not just worry, not just concern, but it becomes a sin. 
Anxiety is a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. It's often referred to as the fight or fight or fight or flight reaction. Excuse me. Worry is giving way to anxiety or unease or allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And both of these, if they're unchecked, um, will rule your life. Absolutely. There are people, some uh, that we know of, in fact, that are not happy unless there's something to worry about. Anybody know somebody like that? Unless there's something to be something to be griping about or worried about or upset about or, or whatever, we're just not happy. But, but listen, I, I want to say to you this morning, life is going to happen. And, and there are going to be issues that come up in your life. Things are going to break. People are going to get sick. Money's going to get tight. People are going to get angry. Bosses are going to get cranky. People are going to pass away. Bills are going to come due. Choices are going to be made. Bad choices are going to be made. These are inevitable and they are imminent. But these are cares that you and I both deal with every single day. There's nothing wrong with being concerned or having cares, but it's how we choose to handle those things uh, that really comes into play. Listen, anxiety and worry are both sin. And you you may disagree with me on that, but I want to tell you why they are both sin. Because they ponder the question, what am I going to do about this situation? And isn't that the question that you keep asking yourself? What am I going to do? This bill, I've got to pay this bill. What am I going to do? My uh, my boss at work, I think he's going to fire me. What am I going to do? And so we start figuring out, well, well, man, I need to start putting applications in. They start jumping over here and doing this, doing that. I got to start maybe getting an extra job and, and try to get that money that I'm lacking. Or, or you know, maybe something uh, the rent's come and do and you don't know how to pay it. And, and you're wondering, what am I going to do? And so you start trying to, to find a way or, or you know, whatever to, to get the money that's needed or necessary to pay that bill. And all of a sudden that fear That fear is what is driving you. That fear is what is moving and making those decisions for you. And the question keeps coming back, what am I going to do about this? And some of us are spending sleepless nights wondering and worrying about how we are going to take care of the problems that we're facing. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to handle this problem? We've been told our lives that if you don't do it, nobody will, right? Listen, though these things make you feel small and incapable, and if you allow them, they can lead to depression and self-worthlessness. I want you to understand that anxiety and worry are actually contradictions to true humility. Let me say that a different way. Although these problems that are so huge, these problems that are so terrible that you don't think you're going to be able to handle yourself, although they make you feel like nothing, they make you feel this low. Really, when you are that worried about something, when you're allowing worry to control your life and and to fill your heart and, and to rule your decisions, when you're constantly asked that question, what am I going to do? It is contradictory to true self humility. Because it's putting all the emphasis on you and not where it, where it really should be. Now listen, if you don't know God, then I can understand how 
you could wonder, what am I going to do? But if you're a Christian and you know the Lord, and you know what He's capable of. If you've read the Bible and and see how He has provided uh, in so many ways, and if you've been with God for any amount of time and seen how He can provide for you, there's no reason in a time of crisis to wonder, what am I going to do? What you really need to be doing is looking up in the heaven and saying, God, what are you going to do about this? Because I know I can't do anything about it. And that's hard to do because of what it does is it, it, it makes me admit the fact that I don't have the power to take care of this. And that's really where the depression comes in, isn't it? That's really where the, these feelings of self-worthlessness come in. Because if I can't handle my own problems, then what kind of person am I? Listen, fathers, I, I would totally understand as a husband and as a father, if I lost my job and I wasn't able to provide for my family, I didn't have that income you know, coming in. If that happened and I suddenly couldn't buy groceries for my family, I couldn't afford a place to live for my family and all these things were going on, or at least the worry or concern of those things were going on. If that was happening, I could understand where depression would come in. If I as a man can't provide for my family, what kind of man am I? I see where that would come in. See, the thing is, is that as a child of God, I also have to understand that I've never been the one who's been providing for my family. You get that? You're not the one providing. You say, well, I clock in every morning. Yeah, that's true. But somebody gave you the health to clock in. And somebody gave you the, cho- the job to clock in too. Amen. You've never been the one taking care of your family. Amen. God has always been the one providing. God has always been the one leading and directing and, and bringing all those things together. And do you not think that even in this time of crisis, do you not think that God could take care of you now? See, what we do is we really, we make God a backup plan and we're the gods of our lives. We're the ones who's providing. We're the ones who's protecting. We we are the ones who are making all these things work. And suddenly when they stop working, our whole world falls apart because we're the ones who've been holding everything together. At least that's what we tell ourselves. And I want you to know that you've never been the one holding things together. You can't make your heart beat and you can't make your heart stop beating. I guess there are ways that you could, but not just off of sheer willpower. You've never been the one holding your life together and holding things together. You're not making this earth revolve around the sun. Nothing is happening because you are making it happen. Listen, when I fret or I worry or I'm anxious about an issue, through my actions what I'm saying is, I don't believe that God can or will handle this problem. You see, at the heart of worry is a different problem. It's not just the worry, but it's the unbelief that comes with worry. When I'm worrying about something, what I'm saying is, is I don't really believe God can take care of this. And, and listen, I told you, I, I have had some severe anxiety problems before. And there's been times where I had to force myself to get up out of bed and leave my room because that's all I wanted to do was sit in my dark room and think about all the problems that I had. Now, thankfully, I didn't do that. I got a wife that wouldn't let me do that if I wanted to. 
Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go to church today, honey. Well, you got to. You're the pastor. All right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that God has placed me with someone who's always been an encouragement and lifts me up. But I, I've been there before. Now, I know those thoughts, those destructive thoughts that can come in, those, those thoughts of self-worth and all this. But listen, when I'm, when I'm worrying, when I'm fretting over an issue, what I'm really saying is, God, I don't believe that you've got this under control. And that's something that he had to convict me about. That's, some, that's a place that he had to bring me to. And now, listen, anxiety still will mess with me. It'll still, if, I, if I'm not careful, it'll still get a hold of me. But the only way I've ever been able to get that under control is by submitting to God's authority and God's power. And I just decided one day that if I'm going to live or die, that's up to God. And I couldn't change it either way. And so I just put myself in His hands. And whatever His will is, is what I've got to go with anyway. I remember being, you know, being in some places mentally, and uh, and God would just um, prompt my heart, you know, with a question: Do you not think that I can take care of you? Do you not think that I can handle this situation? Of course, if I really believe in God, then my answer had to be yes. You see, when we're fretting, we're, we're saying that we don't believe, uh, through our actions, we're saying, I don't believe that God can handle this. What we're doing is we are exalting ourselves. We're choosing to believe in self rather than God. And in this thought, we see the connection with verse 6, because in verse 6, I want you to notice where all this starts. It doesn't start with casting your cares on Him. It starts with humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you. Now, what are we humbling ourselves to? The mighty hand of God. You think your problems are huge. God says your problems are small. Your problems are so big because you are so small. See, but His hand is mighty. When you humble yourself to the the understanding and the power of His mighty hand, all of a sudden, any problem is okay. And it's fixable and it's handleable. Not in your hands and not in your power, but in His power. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And until we come to that place where we say, okay, I understand that I am not powerful enough. I know I can't handle this. I know I can't deal with this. I know that I don't have the power. But God, I believe that you do. Until we get to that point, anxiety, depression, worry will continue to rule our lives. You can take all the medicine you want. You can take happy pills. You can take sleeping pills. You can take whatever it helps you to fix those symptoms of your anxiety. Pills that will calm you down. You can do all that kind of stuff. But until you get to a place spiritually where you're addressing the real issue that's going on, you're going to continue to struggle and it's going to continue to rule your life. Amen. Then you'll just live in the fear. If I don't have my pill, I'm going to go crazy. Verse 7 tells us that after we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that the next thing is really simple, to cast all of our cares upon Him. Look at verse 7. It says, cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. 
The word cast here is interesting because it doesn't just mean to chunk or throw something. It means to throw one thing upon another thing. And this was actually the word I thought was interesting. It was used when Christ uh, made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And if you remember, he, uh, he was riding on a donkey and they were casting all their coats upon the young donkey's back. What they did is they took this one weight and they placed it upon the back of someone else. And could this command, if we think of it this way... Could this command to give God our burdens be any more specific? What he's saying is, is to take all those things that you're being burdened down with, to take all those things that are weighing you down, all those worries that you can't handle, all those things that you're just not strong enough to stand under. He says, take all those and cast them on him. Listen, I've got some broad shoulders. But as pastor of this church, I I couldn't dare try to handle all the weight and the burden and the worries and the cares that are brought to me every week. I couldn't do that. So you bring your burdens to me, and guess where I throw them? I put them right back on him. Those cares that you have, those things that you, you just don't know that you can continue on with, He says, cast them on Him. And why can you cast them on Him? What makes you think that you could take your burdens to God? Well, He tells us in the rest of that verse, cast all your cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He cares for you. Peter tells us to place ourselves under the care and the authority of the mighty hand of God. However, we aren't to look at this as simply being obedient to God. I want you to understand that I'm not trying to give you more rules to live by. I'm not trying to give you more things to feel bad about. And I don't want anybody walking out of here today saying, man, I just I stink even worse than I thought I did because I can't even give all the things to God I'm supposed to give to Him. I'm not trying to give you another rule to follow or another burden to carry around. Why can't I do this when other people seem to be able to do it? Uh, number one, a lot of people are having trouble doing that, but the thing is, I'm not giving you another rule to follow. What I'm telling you is is that we have to stop depending on our own power and put everything in His hands. If we're submitting ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then we've got to admit that our hands are not as mighty as His are. You don't have the power to do anything that God's asked you to do. Purpose has always been not you doing for God, but God doing through you. By submitting to His authority, you see I'm also trusting in His power. The point here is that we're to take the cares that are in our weak hands and place them in His mighty hands. And let us not overlook the word all. I want you to notice in verse 7 once more, casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. And I love the thought that goes along with this. It suggests that the idea behind casting all of our cares upon Him uh, here is not just talking about giving Him every worry that comes along, but giving Him all of our cares. And I want you to think about that. I mentioned earlier that God is just kind of like our backup plan. 
Anybody have a computer? Anybody have a, a backup disk or, a, you know, like an external hard drive? Well, why do you have that external hard drive? Because your regular computer is getting too full, right? Well, you want to back up what you have, but a lot of people get external hard drives because their computer can't handle any more than what we're trying to put on it. And so what we do is we buy ungodly amounts of space on a backup hard drive and we start putting everything over there. Well, listen, one thing that we can do, many of you are just giving me blank stare, like, what is an external hard drive? <laughs> Maybe I should have thought of a different one. Uh, anyway, let, let's say that the computer has a brain, so you buy a bigger brain for your computer. I don't know if that's how to explain it or not. That's where I'm going. So your brain on your computer is not big enough to handle all the information you're putting over there, so you've got a, another one. Well, a lot of times what we do is we fill this one up to the point we can't stuff anything else in there. No, there can be no other data that we can put on that computer. So what we do is we buy a bigger hard drive and start putting the things that it's backup. It's, it's for extra stuff. And a lot of times that's how, we, that's how we live our lives. We pack ourselves full to the point that we can't handle anymore. And then when we get to that point, we say, I don't think I can handle this one. Then we say, okay, God, I'm going to let you have this one. What God's saying here, and what Paul say, or, Paul, or Peter is saying, uh, God's saying through Peter, is that you don't need to wait until you are loaded down, until you can't handle anything else, and then start taking individual cares and saying, oh God, okay, God, I got this one, but you handled this one. What he's saying is, empty your plate and put it all on God to begin with. And once you put all of your cares and all of your burdens and all of your things, give it all to God, once that happens, then guess what your life is free to do? It's free living, joy, and peace, even if there's issues and problems that come along. Listen, we're not to say, God, I trust you every time something happens. But we're to say, God, I trust you no matter what happens. Every care that we have, present and future, we place upon Him. And why do we do that? Because He cares for us. He wants us to trust Him with those things. He wants us to lay those things upon Him. And I want us to do that this morning. Listen to what I'm saying. The key to quenching worry in your life is not positive thinking. It's not repeating a phrase to yourself or, or telling yourself over and over again that you're not going to worry. I'm going I'm to be better. I'm going to do better with worrying. That's not what I'm saying. The key to handling, the key to, to handling worry is handing it all over to God once and for all. Saying, I can't, but I know that you can. I trust all these things into your mighty hand. Maybe that's exactly what we need to do today. Maybe this morning, God has reminded you of some burden or a load that you've been carrying around. Maybe you just need to hand that over to Him today. Or maybe you just want to decide this morning... That you're not going to let God be your backup plan. That you're not going to let Him just be somebody that you throw extra weight on. Maybe today you're just tired of carrying it all around. And you want to do exactly what this verse says. And just cast it all upon Him today. Would you do that this morning? It's very simple to do. Number one, as we saw in verse 6, you just need to admit that you can't.
but that he can. And in verse 7, 